Welcome to Practical Forms of Self-Love with Jesh Durox, a mini-series focusing on 10 essential perspectives and practices to embody self-love. Here's Jesh. So it is uh, day nine of the 10-day series that I'm doing on practical forms of self-love. I think sometimes with really big subjects, like self-love, there can be this tendency to just kind of smile and nod, you know, as if we all know exactly what it is. I think we're afraid sometimes to maybe admit, I don't actually know what that is. <laughs> We've talked quite a lot over the last nine days about the fears that we have, the just very biological impulses that make being a human not the easiest thing in the world to do, and uh, how those things affect us and how they affect our interactions and how they affect the way that we come across. In myself, I, I am really on a mission to hunt down all of the places uh, that keep me hidden from myself, keep me hidden from other people, and just run up into those walls, find what they are, and, and push through them a little bit, which is definitely a form of, of self-love in itself. Growing awareness is the prerequisite to having a relationship, like we've talked about, you know, the past nine days. And having a relationship, obviously, is a prerequisite to love. Love is pretty deep into a relationship. That happens. And I would say relationship happens, especially powerful relationship, pretty deep into awareness. So awareness really does have to be the key. It's the first thing that needs to happen, which is why anything that you are doing, anything at all, that brings awareness to you, that builds your awareness of yourself, is going to be beneficial to you in the long run, definitely. We've talked about a lot of different ways of building that relationship with yourself. And I think one thing that I want to do today to talk about a little bit is energy conservation. So you may remember my story when, when I talked about, you know, save the fear for the bears. <laughs> uh, in that whole episode, I, I mentioned the story of birds that would land and eat some little crumbs at my feet. And then once I started moving towards them, I wasn't even moving towards them. I was just moving in the direction of them. I wasn't thinking about them at all. They were afraid I was going to get them. And so they flew off and just about how much energy it costs to fight gravity, to lift their tiny little body up and out in a way. And how that really is, it's, it's a loss of energy. It's a, it's a waste. And in some ways, there's no way around the cost of energy that it takes to learn something because learning is always a journey. It's always very rarely do we learn something that's really important to learn very simply, especially like taking it from concept into the body. And that's the moment when it really starts to become powerful in our life, in our actions, in our interactions, in our relationships is when it goes beyond just the concept of the mind and comes, comes and lives inside the body. Uh, and for that to happen, it's a journey and there always will be a cost to that journey. Say I want to get here and I start out right here. There is a way to move between here and there that is the most efficient, simplest way. And there's still a cost of energy to that journey, but it's a relatively small cost compared to a very meandering journey, you know, going this way and that way and over and above and through the woods and over by grandma's house. And I think a lot of times when we find ourselves frustrated, especially like in a certain area of our life, Maybe we're always getting into a certain kind of relationship, or maybe we are always having problems, you know, with our dad, or maybe we always find ourselves in one kind of dead end situation or another. I think what really needs to be looked at there is, you know, what is the journey that I'm taking? Because 
if you're here and you want to get here and you're just never getting there, what's happening? What's happening? And I think one of the biggest things that keeps us from really getting to the place that we want to go, it comes down to conflicting desires is what it comes down to. Conflicting desires can be very, very tricky uh, because desires, of course, live inside of the mind. And as we've been talking about a lot over the last nine days, the mind is invisible to us. Our own consciousness is not very easy to see. That's why practices that build awareness of the mind are so vital to the relationship and why the relationship is absolutely prerequisite to actually having love. And because most of us can't see our own minds, because we even make the body invisible, there's not a lot of people out there in terms of percentage that woke up this morning and just really took time to look at their shin. Just really looked at it and went like, wow, look at this shin. And yet your shin has been serving you all day for many, 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 many years. And that's just one body part of how many we could, we could count, we could do this. So you could say, yeah, no, I, I know I have a body. Do you have a vague concept that you have a body or do you actually know in terms of experience that you have a body? And you could say, no, I do. I'm very aware every day of my face or my, my heart rate or my breathing or whatever. That's great, but even that is just a tiny, tiny percentage. And most of us aren't even doing that. So when we go on this whole you know, journey, uh, understanding of I've got, I'm here and I want to get to this other place, there is going to be a journey, but how can I make that the most efficient as possible? I think looking at energy conservation is a really, really important theme. And the biggest waste of energy that I know about, that I've seen in my own life, that I've seen in the lives of many, many people that I've worked with, is this whole idea of conflicting desires. So a desire is a thought or a, a longing or an idea that you have that pushes you in a certain direction, we could say, okay? It's, a, it's an ideal that you have. It's something that you hold as valuable or important. And what a lot of people don't realize because they can't see the contents of the mind is that inside of the mind, there can often be desires that are completely opposite of each other right inside of the very same mind. And to give you an instance of this, I can reference you back to the story that I told about me and Jared Leto and, and the mustard and how I, I felt as an impulse I was supposed to go speak with him so I was moving towards him, you know, and then as another impulse, I, I felt it would be so weird and awkward to go introduce yourself to him. And so I, I didn't want to. And because I both did want to and didn't want to, what happened is this jam, this jam in my mind where I'm stepping this way, but I'm, I'm also stepping this way. And as a result of that, the movement towards it was very, very slow. It was very jilted. It was very awkward. But... When we're not aware of these desires, it can really cause us problems because it will seem like the world is against us. It will we'll look for some external reason why this is happening. But I would go so far as to say that if you are not getting the thing that you want, it's probably not because of the world. You know, there are some few scenarios, I think, where somebody could say, well, this actually just is the world. But, you know, history, the books are, are filled with stories of people who wanted it more than other people did. Even that saying is 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 really indicative of what of what we're talking about here they wanted it more which which means that there are different levels of wanting that's for sure and it's also kind of indicative of there being this every extra level of desires almost like an extra unit you know of speed that's 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 built up the other thing that can happen when somebody can get super super into a certain subject to the level of obsession 
is that they become very finely tuned around that subject and around anything that could possibly interfere with it. And when you build up awareness so much around a certain subject, you enter into that level of obsession about it, your own awareness of that part of the mind or things that can affect you know, that particular desire is often spiked. And to give you an example of this, let's say there's somebody you know, who's a sports athlete, they wanna win the, the biggest bodybuilder contest in the world or whatever, and they might be working out their muscles, you know, and they might be lifting all of this stuff, but they will also be very, very conscious of, of what they eat. What you eat in a certain moment may not seem directly related to, you know, how much muscle that you have necessarily, but of course we know that it is. And a person who is aware of wanting to lift a lot and look a certain way while they do that is also going to be aware of these tangential kind of issues that can keep them from that. So that person who loves to lift probably also loves eating ice cream, but they just don't. They don't do it. They don't feed that desire. They've, they've, they've smashed that. And of course, now we are aware. We kind of take it for granted, I think is what I'm trying to say. We take it for granted that, of course, you wouldn't, you know, eat a certain food if you wanted to lift, you know, something or look, you know, like a bodybuilder. But we only know that now. We didn't necessarily know that even 70 years ago or, or 100 years ago. This is, this is new information that we're benefiting from. And the way that that new information gets collated and disseminated to the masses is through people who become obsessed with certain subjects. I'm obsessed, for instance, with connection. I'm obsessed with, um, let's just keep it there because there's definitely a little list of things I could say there. But for, for connection, for instance, I needed connection so bad as a child because I didn't have enough of it. I didn't have enough that I, I wanted. And so I became obsessed with it. And as I became obsessed with it, I became very finely tuned over the years to things that got me connection and things that kept me from connection. And so with this uh, energy conservation, completely immersing yourself in the subject of the thing that you really want can add a huge, huge, huge benefit to you and end up making that journey. There's a really interesting uh, quote that I kind of love. And it says, it's like a, you know, it's like a meme basically, but it says, you have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce does. For some people, they might feel a strike of shame at that. They might laugh a little bit at that, or they could be inspired by it. Either way, whichever way you go there, I think it is really interesting. It's actually really interesting. And so. If Beyonce basically has the same number of hours in a day, you know, and, and we have the same number of hours in a day, it really just comes down to, it's not that Beyonce is something that nobody else is. Certainly she was born with some attributes that some people don't have, but I can guarantee you whatever those attributes are, there were other people who had more of them. Without doubt, there was people that had more of them, okay? So it's not that they just, you know, have a lot of that. They want it and they want it bad. It's interesting to watch those award shows America's Got Talent and, and The Voice and stuff like that, because you can tell when somebody wants it. And when somebody wants it, they put in the work, they, they do it, they get obsessed with it, you know, and along the way of that, you know, they, they can run into these conflicting desires and they, they basically just have to make a choice. So one of the reasons why I think so many people out there live in a state of frustration, self-hatred even, extreme versions of, of frustration can actually end up becoming self-loathing and, and even self-hatred in this kind of insidious, invisible way that just lives inside of somebody, you know, that, that maybe they're not even fully in touch with, but it starts to leak out through them and starts to come into their everyday interactions, which tends to push people away, which tends to make it even harder, you know, for them to achieve the things they want to achieve. 
Because let's face it, most of what we want to achieve has to do with other people, has to do with their validation or at least their participation in some kind of a way. And that stuckness that we just feel that we embody sometimes can really, really, really get in our way from that. This conflicting desires subject is a, is a really important kind of thing to, to consider there. When you feel stuck, when you feel like you've been in the situation again and again and again, the very first thing I would do is get a blank piece of paper and just write down on this list anything you can possibly think of about that subject, about repeating patterns that you might see, around any thoughts or fears or feelings, negative or positive, that you might have around it. Because if you can really start to become aware of those, sometimes you might notice, oh yeah, there actually is a conflicting desire there. For instance, I'll give you another example. Somebody might say, well, I, I don't want to be alone. You know, I, I want a partner. And that can be a desire that's going here. It's, and then there's another thing that's like, ooh, but I really don't want to approach people because approaching people and talking to people makes me nervous, especially people that I, that I don't know very well. And of course, a new partner is very likely going to be somebody that you don't know, or at least you don't know romantically, you know? So you're going to have to do that to get to this other thing. And so when people aren't aware of it, there's just this push and pull in both directions. Now, the most important thing to realize about this is there is still energy being consumed there is still energy being burned because this desire pushes you, you know, this way, but this desire pushes you this way. And so it's not that you have less steps in a day than somebody like Beyonce does, okay? You have the same number of steps. It's just that you in that moment might be going one here, 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 one here. And so at the end of the day, you feel like, oh, you didn't really get anywhere. And a lot of people feel like that, I didn't get anywhere. And so when you can, when you can become aware of like, oh gosh, this desire over here that keeps me from wanting to, to, to get to anybody, to do the thing that I want to do, that makes me scared to meet new people, I'm going to have to stop that. And if you're that bodybuilder, ooh, I really like ice cream, but ice cream is going to prevent me from ever getting to this. I got to stop that. Once you can squash those, you don't even have to squash them down to a zero. If this has a force of 10 this way, and this has a force of 10 this way, at the end of the day, you're not going to have gone anywhere, right? But if you can just lessen this to a nine, now it's just a nine. As soon as you lessen it, even just one below the other desire, there will be a sudden forward movement of one at a time. And the people who go the farthest in life, in whatever direction they're wanting to go, are people who just lower this and lower this and lower this and lower this all the way down until all you have is this forward movement. And that creates a certain momentum in itself. And that's why they say things like, the rich get richer. because. Once you're inside of that momentum, and once that's happening to you, you just roll forward, roll forward, move forward, move forward, and then it looks like you're a literal force of nature, like a Jay-Z or like a Beyonce. But they didn't start like that. They did not start like that. Nobody does. There's always this incremental movement. And I think sometimes in the very beginning, you know, when somebody's in this kind of locked position and they want to move forward, but they have this conflicting desire that's going in the opposite direction, they can fight really hard you just to lessen this maybe to to a nine or something like that and they can feel bad about themselves and they'll be like oh that's not nearly enough it's never going to happen the other thing to remember about these journeys is that they're long journeys and so if at least you're just stepping a little bit forward just a little bit forward every single day over a long span of time you really can complete that that full journey i want to talk to you about another form that that can take it's called shyness okay 
somebody might say like, I, I want to find somebody. I, I want to be with somebody. I want to spend my life with somebody. I want a partner, you know, but they're also like, oh, but I don't want to go approach them. The shy thing is a really fascinating uh, concept uh, to me, particularly because I used to identify as shy when I was a kid and even really into my 20s and a little bit into my early 30s. I probably in some ways thought of myself as shy, maybe not in all scenarios in my 20s and 30s, because you know, I started giving speeches in front of thousands of people and certainly most people wouldn't describe that as shy. Performance can be a different thing than regular life. And so sometimes people learn how to perform and give a lot of themselves in a certain kind of scenario and then are not you know, able to do that in another way. And that was certainly the case for me. But when people come up to me and tell me that they're shy, so they can't do something, I always have this particular question for them, which first came to me, I think maybe like seven years ago in uh, Melbourne. I was giving a talk down there, I believe, Melbourne, Australia. And I was demonstrating this uh, super field technique that draws out emotion from a random stranger couple. And this woman came up to me afterwards and uh, she said, well, Josh, you can do this, but I, I can't do this. It's really beautiful and I wish I could, but I just can't. And I was like, why? Why couldn't you do this? She's like, oh, I never could. I'm too shy. And I was like, oh, you're shy. And I said, well, I actually don't believe that you're shy. And she was like, what? No, I, I, I know that I'm, I'm shy, you know, like I, I definitely shy. I ask all of my friends. And I said, well, are you shy in the shower? And she was like, what? And I mean, you know, like you're there alone in the shower and you hesitantly reached for the shampoo. Excuse me, shampoo, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I need to get, you know, some of this out. Sorry. And you, you hesitantly reach over and you hesitantly turn the hot water on. <laughs> no, nobody is shy in the shower, okay? So if you are not shy in the shower, you are not a shy person. You might act shy. You might have a habit of being in a way that's shy. You might have a shy pattern that you default to, but it's really important to break down what shy actually means. This particular woman was a mother. And I said, here's another way that I know that, that you're not shy. And I said, your little girl, I happen to know is named Jamie. I want you to imagine you're at a park and you're with Jamie and there's this kind of suspicious looking a guy 20 feet away and he seems to be walking up towards Jamie. What do you do in that moment? He reaches over to take her hand and start pulling her away. What do you do in that moment? And her eyes kind of lit up, you know, and she kind of was almost snarling. And she was like, I'll walk over there and I'll push Just this whole like emotional display came out and I was like, whoa. And then I said, is that what a shy person would do? And it stopped her in her tracks. She was like, oh, no, I guess not. See, so what shy really is, is just not feeling like you know what the appropriate thing to do is in a certain moment. And these certain moments are almost always social situations, okay? So all shy is, is just feeling like you don't know what the appropriate response is in social situations. See, because the moment that she knew the exact appropriate social response, which is, that's my daughter. There's no way I'm gonna let you, you know, touch her or take her away in any kind of a way. As soon as she knows that, as soon as she's 100% clear about it, quote unquote shyness just completely disappears. And I learned this for myself because I was outside of culture for so long in my childhood and I didn't know what the right thing to do was. 
I would basically just opt out of situations a lot of the time. I just, I wouldn't even try. And because I didn't try, I never really learned, you know, what, what the right thing was. So when we talk about, you know, energy conservation, and we're talking about these conflicting desires, one of the biggest conflicting desires that we have, I think, like essentialized, is we've got this desire to explore because we have this desire to feel joy and joy only happens, you know, through exploration of some kind. We have a desire to be fulfilled and fulfillment only comes from discovery of some kind or awareness of how beautiful something is. We also have this other desire to be completely safe and to be completely validated. And I was giving a talk one time and I was saying how that everybody wants, if you're an artist, you want to be, you want to be a wild, crazy artist in terms of like, you want to be able to make things no one has ever seen before. You want to blow people's minds. You want to create trends. You know, you want to be celebrated as the best or the most innovative or whatever, but you want to do that in a way that feels completely safe that everybody will applaud you for. And it's like those two things do just not exist in the same place. They just don't exist in the same time, in the same place. The cost of discovery is exploration. And the cost of exploration is leaving the familiar. And where most people are in their lives is they just, they value the familiar too much. They value social validation too much. Another way to say it is uh, being masterful in front of others requires thousands of hours of practice when no one is watching. And uh, most people value attention too much to spend the time away from it that mastery requires. And so here again, we've, we've got this conflicting desire. We've got, I want to be masterful, you know, I, I want to be the best chef in the world. I want to be the greatest singer in the world. But I also really just want you know, to hang out with my friends tonight. And I, I want to watch the latest episode of, you know, whatever Netflix show that I'm watching. And it's not that those things are bad, but they're definitely in conflict with each other. Because if you want to be the greatest singer in the world or the greatest chef in the world or the greatest basketball player in the world, you're somewhere working on those skills or you're not doing the thing that keeps you from coming that. Okay. And so what it really is, energy conservation, it comes down to honesty. It comes down to self-honesty because we create loops with ourselves all the time. And then we get really mad because we say that we want a certain thing but we don't really do it. We don't really do it all of the time. And sometimes we're not saying something else. Maybe we are saying part of it. It's like, no, I really want to be the best basketball player. Okay, you are saying that. And maybe that is a true desire in you. But you're maybe not also being aware of, and I want to eat like lots of ice cream. Okay, that's fine. If you want to eat lots of ice cream, I'm not even putting that down. I'm just saying, then you should probably drop the other one. You basically have to pick and choose because if you don't pick and choose, you're going to end up in this kind of a struggle position. And it's interesting to see like how many of the great stories of our time and of our heroes and of times in the past, they often have to do with, with a limitation. It's like somebody lost somebody that they loved, you know, and once they lose that thing that they love, well, that's not a conflicting desire in that direction anymore. Now their mind bends completely like on revenge or on building this thing that would keep other people safe that happened to their partner or whatever. Right now I'm thinking of Braveheart, the story of Braveheart. It's like, he was too scared to make too much of a noise against the, the oppressive government that was around him. He just tried to lay low, you know, so he could maintain his life. And then his woman gets, you know, kidnapped and killed. And now that conflicting desire you know, to keep her safe or to keep his own life safe just puff disappears. And as soon as that desire disappears, all you have left is that driving forward force. So 
to summarize a lot of the stuff that I'm saying here, to really take advantage of practical self-love through energy conservation, it really boils down to self-honesty, you know, which is deeply tied into awareness, like we've been talking about. How does a person practice getting out of something like shy? The way that you, you practice moving outside of a habit of being shy is to just make decisions, to make decisions, to make decisions, to make decisions, because the hesitance of like not knowing, well, I don't really know, it's maybe this, and it's maybe that, and it could be these other things. That, that kind of an energy will tend to keep a person complacent and still, it will keep a person in the known. And if they have some spark of explorer in them, some piece that wants to be recognized and seen and, and shared, then it's gonna create an inner conflict. And the cool thing about this too is, you know that you're in an inner conflict because you will feel it. Your body will feel frustrated, you will feel stuck, you might feel angry. If you have self-loathing of any kind, if you have self-hatred of any kind, you trace that back and it's going to be because of conflicting desires. I absolutely guarantee you it will be because of conflicting desires. So if you follow that loop down, you can untie some of those knots and, and free up a lot of energy, which is very, very exciting. It's very, very exciting that this is within your ability to do. We talked about everybody having the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. And if she's traveled way up here and most people you know have only kind of done one of these kind of things how did she get up there you could say well she has long legs she's a giant no she has the same legs as you she has the same number of hours in a day as you she's just using those hours differently another way to look at that scenario is imagine that there's a rope okay and let's say everybody has pretty much the same amount of rope all of these conflicting desires that we have are like knots so if we have one conflicting desire what happens to the length of that rope and then another conflicting desire, and then another, and another. And most people have so many conflicting desires. Their little tiny rope goes down to this, and it's just this big kind of like ball. And there's that little rope to bend to. And so when they feel stuck in the pit, when they go to help somebody else, they just pull out this little tiny rope, and they're like, oh, this is all I really have. And then they'll say things like, I'm just not the kind of person who was born with a big rope. It's just, just not who I am. And it's like, bullshit, I don't believe it. And again, a lot of people who do great things in their life have a lot of rope to bring to something. They have gone through big suffering that has, has stolen some of those knots from them. It's cut the knots. Sometimes that happens. Other times, people just get so single-minded focused on that that they're like, I'm gonna push through this. I'm gonna overcome this. I'm, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And that saying, whatever it takes, is a really, really powerful saying. And if you're not willing to say whatever it takes about whatever one of your dreams is, you should seriously consider putting down the dream. Because if the dream isn't that great of a dream that you're not willing to do whatever it takes, then you're going to just be setting yourself up for a con conflicting desire position because your body comes born with desires to stay familiar to stay where you are, to stay in the easy place, to be lazy. Our body already has that. That just comes natural. So if you've got a, a dream right now that so far hasn't really taken you beyond those base human desires, it's almost like those base human desires are like a kind of a gravity. You have to find a dream that's compelling enough to you, a reason that's compelling enough to you to break that gravity and shoot up. And that's why people like Elon Musk are so fascinating to me because most of us get up in the morning and we're like, our problem is that Sally doesn't like us anymore. You know, and it's like, Sally doesn't like me. She has to like me. Elon Musk wakes up in the morning and he's wondering, 
how do we get oxygen on Mars? How do we get oxygen on Mars? So if you want to look at a person who has a freaking dream that is huge, look no further than somebody like him. And there's thousands and tens of thousands of people on the planet with dreams of his size. And so I think sometimes, you know, people are like, we need to let go of our resistance. Yeah, maybe. And maybe resistance will always be with us. Maybe instead of letting go of resistance, you need to get a better dream because maybe the dream that you have just hasn't been compelling enough to you. Maybe you need a dream that is so exciting to you, that is so bold, that is so daring, that it just kicks alive something in you. I think a lot of times people kind of settle for cliche dreams. They settle for a dream that it looked like somebody else had and it seemed nice. You know, it's like you're at a restaurant or something and you see somebody over there who's happy and then with somebody in love and you're like, I'll have what he's having. I'll have what she's having. And it's like, come on guys, this is, this is your life. This is your ability to pick what you want to dream about. I can tell you this, I've definitely gone farther than a lot of other people at, at my age and stuff. There's people who've gone way farther than me too. I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, but I have definitely experienced so many things at this point in my life that um, I'm so proud of that if I was to die and pass away right now, I can honestly tell you, I would be completely fulfilled. I would feel like I came here, I did the best that I could in the time that I had. And that's a good feeling. It's a good feeling because in some ways it means like I'm not spending any more energy trying to prove myself. Perhaps in some small areas of my life, I still have little loops of that, but largely through my 20s were almost entirely spent trying to prove myself. So when it comes to energy conservation now, I just have a whole huge extra amount of rope to bring to the situations that I want to work on. And that's a huge, huge, huge advantage to me. I can tell you too about my current dreams that I'm working on. I am so excited about my current dreams uh, because if any of my current dreams even become 20% or 30% fulfilled, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people on the planet will have lives improved because of it. And that's so exciting to me that it pushes me through things that are scary. It makes me want to be creative when it comes to problem solving. If you really, really want something, you will find a way to make it happen. Whatever it takes, right? <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever it takes. So sometimes people look at a person like Beyonce and say, well, she had superpowers. I would say no. I would say she doesn't have superpowers. I would say she wanted it more than other people did. Along that path of wanting something more than someone else does, you develop superpowers, you develop skills, you develop ways of seeing the world and yourself that to other people look like superpowers, you know, but at the time that you do them, they're just the obvious choice. They're just the obvious choice. A couple more things. Nelson Mandela, talk about a man who went far, talk about a man who accomplished extraordinary things, spending 20 or 30 years in jail and then becomes like the leader of an entire country that put him in jail in the first place. And it's wild. It's a crazy thing. He says something really fascinating about this whole journey aspect we've been talking about. He says, I never lose. I either win or learn. And when you can have that kind of a mindset that there is no loss, what he's basically saying there is this whole conflict of like, what if it goes wrong? What if everybody hates me? What if I don't do this and it was all a waste? He's basically saying that, that very common human desire he completely got rid of. And all that was left was this desire to go do what he wanted to do because he knew either he was going to win or he was going to learn. And either one of those is completely fine with him. Either he gets the thing that he wanted or along that way he becomes stronger and richer and more powerful, better able to get the next thing that he decides to want. That is so powerful.
That is so, 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 so beautiful. So people who aren't trying, they neither win nor learn. And so that whole loss that we're so afraid of really is an illusion. It's an illusion because that he spoke the truth. You, you do either win or you learn. Those are the only true things. So this fear that we have of loss that keeps us stuck here, it's not even real. But the fear of it is so great that it will keep us frozen. The other really interesting thing I was thinking about when I was talking about all these kind of subjects with um, some of my students and some of my friends and just in my own head, I was thinking about uh, experiencing micro-terror. And what I mean by micro-terror is, let's say you are the person, you know, who wants to have a partner. And then you are also very afraid of it not going right. And so there's this one particular girl at work that you're, you're kind of interested in and you go up, you know, you imagine in your head walking up to her and saying, hey, Jane, like, I think you're cute. Could we go on a date sometime? And while you're sitting there thinking of that, you become terrified and you're like, oh God, I could never do that. And your heart starts pumping, your adrenaline starts flowing. And you're just like, I couldn't, she's gonna hate me. She's gonna blah, 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 blah. The interesting thing about people who are shy or who aren't trying, aren't doing the Nelson Mandela trick is that when you, when you think of Jane rejecting you, you experience terror. And it might just be a small moment, but it's still terror. And if you want the same thing for years and years and years, you might think of Jane and asking her out for 10 years. That's hundreds, if not thousands, if not 10,000 moments of, of terror. And the craziest part is all of that terror was completely illusory. It was you just worrying that this might happen. And so I think that's another waste of energy, a massive waste of energy sometimes that people have is they will just spend so much of their energy in these tiny little drops of, of micro terror. And that's so sad because this is your beautiful life. That drop of energy that got used towards micro terror, <laughs> you know, could have actually been like a step along in that journey. And so energy conservation is really just about taking strong stock and awareness of, of your energy, of how it's being spent, of what, what things are burning the energy in your mind. And, and those will always be linked to desires. A really cool thing I heard one time that really, really stuck with me. I think a guy named Demartini said it, Dr. Demartini. He said something like, people will tell you what they value. They will say all kinds of things about what they value, uh, but they're just words. Here's how you know what somebody actually values how they spend their time and how they spend their money. Those two things will directly point to what your, what your strongest desires actually are. And so as you're doing this work to see yourself better and really try to untangle some of these conflicting desires that we've been talking about today, take a look at that. How are you spending your time and how you're spending your money? You might even wanna just make a list of that and write some of that down and just take an honest, honest stock of that. And you know what? Most people won't even do that. Most people will tell you all kinds of things about they want to be a great photographer, or they want to be the best parent, or they want to be the best this, or they want a beautiful this. And most people will not even take the time to do this very simple assignment that I'm telling you right now, which is get a blank piece of paper, look at a normal day, write what you do in that day and what percentage of it seems to add up to your dreams. And if most people are honest with themselves, a very small percentage of what they're doing will add up to that. And the ones who are the Beyonce's of the world and on their way to become the Beyonce's 
The only difference is that they're spending a larger amount of time doing that. That is the only difference. It's the only difference. And when you start out to become a Beyonce, you don't always end up a Beyonce. You end up something even better, which is some beautiful version of yourself that ends up <laughs> inspiring people in another way, that ends up building you in another way, etc., etc. All right. Uh, that's everything for today. We will talk to you later. Take care. Forms of Self Love with Jesh D. Rocks is produced by Jesh D. Rocks and edited by Elizabeth Windham. Our theme music is by Kai Kai. It's called Celeste from the album Fantasize. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you know someone who would appreciate this mini series, we encourage you to share it, screenshot it, and airdrop it to your friends, family, and general community. You can find Jesh at Jesh D Rocks on Instagram and Facebook.